Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. So please take a moment and email us at mystory at cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Um, I take your Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Who's ready for the reading of the Word of God? Yeah. Okay, here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is a really cool portion of Scripture I have recently just absorbed. Um, while you're turning there, we're, t- we're turning your Bibles on, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading from the New International Version today. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is this story that Paul is trying to raise an offering for the Jerusalem church. Uh, this is very important to Paul. It's something that God has specifically laid on his heart to do. Uh, the Jerusalem church is going through major persecution. In, in fact, it can go as far as a life or death situation for a lot of Christians in Jerusalem based on this offering. And Paul is going uh, letter by letter, um, intern by intern, disciple by disciple, telling them when you go to the churches in different areas, I want you to bring up, let's all gather our money and our offering, whatever we have to give, because we want to give a generous offering to the church of Jerusalem because they can't even afford food right now. Of all they're going through, we got to make sure that we feed our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. This is a, a, a big deal. Paul has received this, this moment to take an opportunity for this offering. Okay? And in fact, several spots, Paul mentions this offering that he's going to take. In 2 Corinthians, he's talking to the, 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 the church of Corinth. Okay? And this backstory is so important because Paul is talking to the church of Corinth about what recently happened in the church of Macedonia for the church in Jerusalem. Okay, are we all tracking? Everybody following me? This is so cool. And we want to read this closely. It starts off in verse 1 and says, And now, my brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. Okay, time out. The Macedonian church is one of the poorest churches of the Christian faith at the time. They're not as bad as what's going on in the church of Jerusalem, but they are bad enough to where Paul and all of the leaders in the church feel like, for this offering, let's take up an offering in, in all the churches except the church of Macedonia. Okay? And the reason behind it is, is, is they're already a, under a, a strained burden. But let's not put a bigger burden on them, like having to take an offering for the church in Jerusalem. So the, the thought is kind, the attitude is right. Paul has a, a great plan for the church of Jerusalem, but he is going to leave the church of Macedonia out of it. In the very first sentence you see that Paul says, you guys, let me tell you the story about what happened and what God did with the church of Macedonia for the church of Jerusalem. Verse 2, in the midst of a very severe trial, everybody say severe trial. Their overflowing joy, and he's still talking about the church of Macedonia, their overflowing joy and their, and their extreme poverty welled up in rich 
generosity. Stop. The part that I like there, and you got to think about, is they were in a severe trial. Has anybody ever been in a trial before? Just one of those deals where you're going through a tough time. Okay? But we're not talking about a tough time here. We're talking about a severe tough time. And Paul says in the middle of their severe tough time, they found joy in their extreme poverty. Stop for a minute. Think about that. That doesn't make sense. How in the world are they finding joy in a moment that they're all going through of an extreme trial and extreme poverty? Paul's verse 3 is so important for us to stop and read. It says this. could be the most important verse in this whole little spot we're reading. It says this. For I testify, this is Paul, for I was there that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Everybody say able. Able. Ability. And they gave what they were able and then they were able to give far more than their ability. Today I want to talk to you about this, this season we're in right now as a church. Well, we're talking about your container and your content. If you haven't been to Cowboy Junction in a while, or maybe this is your very first time, we've been doing this for several weeks, pulling out this little cylinder, holding it up, and every week is a different message about your content and the container that holds your content. This container and content, and we look at the story that the church of Macedonia, which was in an extreme poverty situation, stepped up and in their joy, even in their poverty, in their joy, they were able to give, they were give, able to give what they were able to do, and then God blessed it to give beyond what their ability was. I'll keep going here. Entirely on their own. Look at that real quick. Paul says, I didn't have to persuade them. I, in fact, I didn't say anything to them. This was all on their own accord. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And that's really important to read that. How did their giving go? The first thing they did, they stopped everything and they said, we give our lives to the Lord. And then he says this, second. He said that they gave themselves to the Lord and then by the will of God, they gave also to us. Which means that he, they came and said, not only do we give ourselves to you, Lord, but now, Lord, show us what part we play in what it is that Paul wants us to do. They gave themselves first all to the Lord, and then by the will of God, uh, also to us. So we urged Titus that as he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Today I'm going to talk to you about your capacity and content in the form of what you're able to do and God blessing what you're able to do and turn it into far beyond what your ability is. Let's pray. Father, we love you. 
Today, Jesus, I thank you for who you are and the plan that you have for our life. Holy Spirit, no one came here to listen to me. Not one person. And if they did, they're confused. So let us get our hearts right and our minds focused to the reality that there's something you want to talk to our hearts about. Our spirits need to see what it is that the church of Macedonia did that day. To live in their, what they're able to do, but their ability grew because of what you did from what they were able to do. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love TV judges. You know the ones. I sometimes just, just call it a break time at the office. And I'll run home and, and grab a snack, flip on the TV. And, and I, I love courtroom drama. On uh, I don't know why. I just always did. Uh, my favorite judge, TV judge, is Judge Mathis. Yeah. Judge Mathis is cool as a cucumber and, and slicker than silk. He is smooth as all get out, and I love watching how Judge Mathis handles his courtroom. Now, now I don't watch Judge Judy. I just think she's mean, but I like Judge Mathis. I was watching TV the other day, and Judge Mathis had a young man that came in, and he owned his family member a bunch of money. Uh, his auntie had a situation where she couldn't get any money from her nephew. So Judge Mathis brought him in and turned to the plaintiff and said, tell me the story. And she told the story about how the young man had approached her about how she needed money, about how he needed money so badly. And, and he approached his aunt, and his aunt wanted to help, and so she loaned him a large sum of money. She explained the amount of money. She explained that they agreed he was going to pay it off explained what day it was, and it had been a long, 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 long time till the court. And finally she had to get the judge involved to kind of help her out, get the money back. She explained everything, and then she, he turned to the defendant. And Judge Mathis' style, he, he just said, now you tell me your sto story. And he said, really, honestly, you judge, I, I don't need to tell you. Her story was spot on with my story. And he goes, really, so you agree that you borrowed the money? He said, absolutely. My aunt loaned me the money, and um, I, I have every intention to pay her back. Judge Mathis said, well, you know, this kind of makes this decision easy. And he goes, well, Judge, it does, and I intend to pay her back. You just got to realize it's trying to get water out of a rock. I don't have the money. And the young man pulled out his paperwork, and he had brought with him how much money he makes, so he brought a check stub, and then he put together all of his bills, every, the car payment, house payment, all the things that he pays on, and he presented Judge Mathis with how much he made and how much he spends, and, and, and spot on, he was spending every dollar he had just to stay alive, just, just to pay for food, room, board, he had no really extra things that he did, and it just, he spent everything that he had, he lived from paycheck to paycheck. Judge Mathis turned to him and said, well, when do you plan on paying her back? And he said, as soon as I get the money, I'm going to pay her back. And I have told her that from day one, that I'm going to pay her back. And Judge Mathis said, I'm going to rule on this. But I'm going to rule in an interesting way. He said, have you ever thought about going and getting two jobs? And the moment that Judge Mathis said, two jobs, it was as if someone lit a black cat in the room and it popped and his eyes got really big. And he 
looked at the judge like, are you serious? You want me to work two jobs? And Judge Massett says, I'm going to give a ruling that you're going to leave this place and your first act in this week, you've got to get another job this week. And the young man said, you expect me to work two jobs? And he said, Judge Massett started laughing. And then he pulled the courtroom. Judges don't do this. Judges don't ask people their opinion. Judges, they're judges. They rule the court. And he turned to the entire courtroom and he said, who in this room has ever had to work two jobs in your lifetime? Raise your hand. All over the courtroom, 90% of the audience raised their hand. At some point, they had to work two jobs to make ends meet. Judge Mathis said, I've had to work two jobs before to pay off the things that I had to pay off. He said, is there anybody in the courtroom that's ever had to work three jobs before? And I'm watching this. 90% of the people raise their hand. I'm thinking, you liars. You are lying. You are lying. You just want favor for your case here in a minute. But, but honestly, the whole courtroom raised their hand. Everyone had their hand up about having to work three jobs at some point in their life. Judge Mathis turned to him and said, I don't expect you to work two jobs or three jobs for the rest of your life, but there's a season that you're going through right now that you need to do the right thing and your container needs to grow. And all the things that you are right now needs to grow in your capacity. You're able to do more than you think you can do to be able to take care of the things you have to take care of. He said, there's no way I could do that. And Judge Mathis said, Yes, you can. Judgment for the plaintiff. You've got to get a job this week, two jobs. To, in, in fact, he said, and, and, and it was over. I think sometimes in our life, we think we can't when actually, yes, you can. The story about the Macedonian church here, especially in verse 3, it testifies so they gave to what they were able to do. Now, what are you able to do? Every one of us here has an ability, an, an, an ableness. But for many of us, we've become so comfortable in our content that we don't ever, in our container, that we don't ever think about our content growing because we don't ever think about our container growing. For this young man on this, on this you know, courtroom, TV courtroom, here he is thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't. And for a lot of people with the Church of Macedonia, they thought they couldn't either. But there was something inside the Church of Macedonia that they were convinced that their God was bigger than the situation they were in. That they were so much bigger than the world convinced them they were because of who they were in their faith in their Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that they gave entirely on their own that they were able to urgently plead with Paul and the leaders and they were able to do something. And I like how Paul says it here. They exceeded our expectations of what we thought they could do and even what they thought they could do. I think there's a lot of able in the room. But I think that if you start stepping out with what you're able to do, you'll find God blesses it and your ability grows too. See, the fact is I have a question for you. And the question I got for you today is this. Do you have to be content with your capacity? Because see, if I got up here and preached 
and said, you know what we all need to do? We just need to stop and be happy where we're at. That will preach. And there is a lot of truth in that. There is a lot of good in that. And there's a lot that I've had to learn with Ty Bean can get to thinking about what I need, about what I want instead of what I need. And my prayers can, can express what I want, what I want, what I want. And I don't ever sit back and think about what do I need to be who God has called me to be. And sometimes I'm not appreciative of what I've got because I live in the land of the want instead of realizing that I can live in the land of the need. So the question I have is, do you have to be content with your capacity? And the answer to that is yes and no. Because if we live in our containers for the rest of our life, which is who we are, this is what we do, this is all we're able to do, I want to tell you that you will never experience the exceedingly abundantly beyond anything you can imagine or think that God can do if you would just let him to take what you're able to do and turn it into something that far exceeds your ability to do it. But your ability is based on being faithful with what you've got and God takes you to a whole nother level. Last September, I headed out on an elk hunt. And my buddy that was hunting with me, we picked the wrong mountain to go up. He was like a mountain goat. He just sent straight up this thing. It took me forever to get up. I was sucking air. I was, <laughs> you ever do that? You ever, you ever do that kind of crying where you can't catch your breath? <laughs> you know, and it's like, that was me on the mountain. That was me on the mountain. And I'm, I'm sucking air. I'm, I'm just, it's hurting so bad. The guy was really patient. We get up the mountain. And at the top, I turned to him and said, man, 44 stinks. You know, when you turn 44, and he stopped me, he said, 44 has nothing to do with it. Yeah, it had nothing to do with it. And I said, well, what do you know? You're in your 30s. And he goes, all I know is at 44, I'm going to be in better shape than you are. <laughs> I said, well, how are you staying in shape? For the first time, someone invited me to CrossFit. CrossFit, if you've ever been invited to it, don't go. It's of the <laughs> devil. It is horrible. It is literally one of the hardest things. It's literally the hardest thing I've ever done. It reminds me of junior high circuit training. You know when you had that guy yelling at the coach, yelling at you, yelling at you, just barking at you. You're having to run and run and lift and lift and run and run. And you do all of this in a certain amount of time. That's what it reminds me of. But I was 13 when we did it back then. I was scared to go to CrossFit. And the reason why is because there was nothing in me that thought <laughs> we could do it. I mean, honestly, you got to get in shape to CrossFit. That was my mentality. Now, if you've been around me for the last five months, you're probably sick of me talking about CrossFit. And the reason why is because it's become a, a daily situation for me. It's how I start my day. But when it first started, my buddy who was elk hunting with me, when we got home, I had this seed planted in my head about CrossFit, and I rebuked it. I didn't want it. I would just ignore it. I would walk away from it. I, I did everything but pay attention to it. I used to drive down the road and think, you know what? You ought to join CrossFit. And I turned the worship music up louder in my truck just to be able to spend time with Jesus so I wouldn't have to think about CrossFit. And then finally one day, I called him. I said, okay, you got to tell me. How do I do it? 
What do I do? And he walked me through, and, and we went to lunch one day, and I asked him about it. Well, how, what do you do at CrossFit? How, how do you do it? And he began to tell me, you know, you pay your dues, and then you go in, and they're going to do an on-ramp. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But I'm not doing cardio. I'm just telling you right now, I am not doing cardio. I'm 44 years old. I don't want to do cardio. I hate running. I don't want to run. Running's stupid. I don't want to run. Does anybody agree running is just not fun, okay? There you go. I'm not doing cardio. I am not doing cardio. And then the second thing, I am not going to lift, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not working out my back. I am not working out my back, and I'm not doing legs. <laughs> I'm not doing cardio, I'm not doing back, and I will not do legs, okay? And my buddy on the other side is like holding a smile back. And he's nodding like this, and I'm serious, I'm serious, don't look at me like that. I'm not going to do cardio, I'm not going to do back, I'm not going to do legs. And he goes, okay. If, he said, they had you do cardio, and if they had you do back workouts, and if they had you do legs, could I help you? And the moment he said, could I help you? Could, could I be there for you? Can I, I'm going to help you do them. It did something in my heart. What I found out is that's all they do in CrossFit is cardio, <laughs> legs, and back. That's all they do. That's, that's all they do. Here's what I learned. How will you ever know your capacity if you stay comfortable? How will you ever know your capacity if you continue to stay comfortable for the rest of your life? This message has nothing to do with CrossFit. This is just the personal story of the stretching that's taken place in, in me in the last five months. Something that I couldn't do, something that I couldn't achieve, something that I didn't even think was possible. But the problem was, isn't anything more than I was comfortable with my capacity. I've been doing CrossFit for five months now. And in these five months, things that I never thought I could do, I'm all of a sudden doing. In fact, I'd like to do something that I haven't done for any other service. You guys are special. You're the Monday night crowd. You get something cool. I'd like to take you to my very first CrossFit day, the day I showed up. And my CrossFit workout buddy, Zach LeCount, is in the back corner. And he's going to come help me right now. So, so come on. Will you come up here? This is, this is almost like being at a, 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 a posing uh, moment and Arnold Schwarzenegger just walked in, okay? Okay, so come on. So, so I, I, had told, I told the guy, no, you come up here with me, come on, come on. I told the guys, I'm not doing cardio, I'm not doing back, I'm not doing legs, and I'm not doing the five o'clock in the morning class. And every day I set my alarm now at 4.30, and I'm at CrossFit at 5, and we do our stretching, we do our warm-ups, we do our workout, we then do our gains afterwards, and we leave about 7 o'clock in the morning, right? And on my very first day, I'm sloppy 44-year-old gristle, okay? I'm just, and, and, and we go to work, and Zach does this on our very first day. Yeah, on, our, on my very first day there, you bust this across the floor. Yeah, 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 that's good, that's good. And at 5.03 in the morning, I think, 
Oh, heck no. Are you serious? And he goes, come on, Ty Bean, try it. And I fell on the floor. We realized quickly that Ty could not walk across the floor like that. But can you already see how you walked into a room and everyone is exceedingly beyond what you can do? Have you ever felt like that before? Have you ever walked into church and everybody's like tithing? I love tithing. I love tithing. And you don't even know what tithing is, much less giving, much less having a balanced checkbook, much less being debt-free. Does that make sense? And you're on this end, and you hear testimonies of people on this end, and you think, oh my gosh, you have got to be, you, with your money? Ten per, oh, heck no. And it's all these stories that goes through our mind of I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And Zach said, Ty, you, okay, you can't walk across the floor, but can you do a push-up? Well, I can do a push-up. I can do a push-up. I get down and do a push-up, and he said, that's not a push-up. <laughs> not a push-up. <laughs> I do a push-up. And, and he said, let me show you a push-up. And a CrossFit push-up is when you take your hands off the ground and you lock out at the top. You take your hands off the ground. And, and I was used to these, okay? <laughs> and, and after doing that, he said, keep doing that while we keep walking across the stage or walking across the room. So here's Zach upside down. And, and, and I think the first day you had to do that six times, ten times, something like that, while I'm doing push-ups. But then all of a sudden, push-ups became easy. Push -up, and, then, and then it became pike press. And so while he's walking, I now move up to pike press. And pike press is this, okay? So, so he's still walking. This is weeks later. This is weeks later. And then it turns into, I can, I can do pike press. I can do pike press like that. But then Zach pulls the chair out. And he goes, we're all moving towards one day, Ty, you're going to walk on your hands. But today, I want you to do this pike press. Okay? And so I have to, the other day, how did we do 150 of those the other day? Yeah. And, and then, the, the, gosh, this, Friday. Let's talk about Friday. Friday was stupid. <laughs> so he's telling me, I've learned, okay, I've learned. If they say, hey, come Friday, don't go. <laughs> don't go, okay? And we did Karen, okay? Karen, they give names to benchmark workouts, okay? And Karen is an evil woman, okay? <laughs> and it's 20-pound medicine balls. And so we get our 20-pound medicine balls, and this is a benchmark, and we walk to the wall, and see that little dark mark up there in between the light and the light hitting the green? Ten feet. We take our medicine balls. And mind you, this is all during Camp Crossfire, okay? And we have to do and throw it up there, catch it, and do this, and catch it, and do this 150 times. I was done at 50. When were you done? Yeah, it was pretty terrible. It was pretty terrible after that, yeah. But you suck it up. You suck it up. Here's what's fun. If it takes me 20 minutes, it takes Zach seven minutes. Seriously, it, it really does. But when he's done, I've still got 75 to go, and my legs are screaming, my back is screaming, my lungs are screaming. And Zach comes over and says, one more Tybean, one more Tybean. And, and I got a new nickname. At CrossFit, you get nicknames. They don't call you Tybean anymore. I'm Squints. I'm squints. You know why? Because I married Wendy Peppercorn. 
Okay? And I've done 75. He's done 150. And I'm on 76. And I'm done. I'm done. And he comes over and says, one more, Tybean. One more. Come on, squints. Come on, squints. And I'm able to do 77. And I'm able to do 78. And I take a breather. Two seconds of breathers. And then I go again. And in 12 minutes, I finished my first Karen. But I was done at 50. And I completed 100 more than where I wanted to quit. And there was more in me than I thought there was. And in the Macedonian church, they did what they were able to do. And when they were through doing what they were able to do, God gave them an ability to do more than they ever possibly could think or imagine. And the people around them didn't think they could do it either. And yet they surprised everybody. And there were five months into this CrossFit. And my legs keep getting higher and keep getting higher. I thought about doing a wall walk. And I thought, we'll tear something up. But while they're doing wall push-ups, which means they hang upside down and do a push-up like this, I'm doing wall walks. And I can't. Do a wall push-up or a wall or a floor walk with my hands yet. But every week, I keep having this progress. I have become comfortable in getting uncomfortable. Zach, you're amazing. Thank you. Does this make sense? On the 4th of July, I woke Heather up. We're laying in bed. The kids are sound asleep. And I rocked her like this. And I said, are you going with me today? And she goes, you bet. I'll be there. And we did triple threes. Everybody showed up at Akatia. Triple threes is you have to row 3,000 meters. You have to jump rope 300 doubles. And then you have to run three miles. All the things I said I couldn't do. And yet, here was my Wendy Peppercorn watching me. And I sucked it up, and off I went. It took me 45 minutes, but I finished my first triple three. Heather got sick all day of me turning to her and go, did you see me do that? And she goes, I saw you do that. Okay, I saw you do that. Did you see that one time that I came around the corner? She goes, I was right there. We all saw it. We saw it. <laughs> see, here's the facts. If there's no challenge there's no change. If you don't ever get challenged, if you don't ever get uncomfortable, if you don't ever step out in faith, there's never going to be the ability kick into what you're able to do. This has nothing to do with CrossFit. This has everything to do with how CrossFit you are. I'm not talking about a workout. I'm talking about the condition of the heart. And today's message is to challenge us, to challenge your container to challenge your capacity, that you will be, you are fantastic people. You are incredible people. And today's no message to make us feel bad, make us feel horrible. But this is a message to where all of a sudden it's a pastor speaking life and saying, what if? Let's, let's live in the land of what if for just a minute. What if you stepped out and got a little bit uncomfortable in an area that God is speaking to you to get uncomfortable in. And most people would say, take a breather, coast, take a break. No one's expecting anything out of you. Heck, you just started. You're, you're just young. You're just old. What 
whatever the condition may be, maybe we need to stop and realize that our, our, our capacity needs to be challenged. When did Scripture ever consult whatever it is that would stop you from doing what, it's, what you're supposed to be doing? Remember when you preached at Cowboy Junction for the very first time? A female spoke at Cowboy Junction. Do you know the first time that CG ever spoke at Cowboy Junction, we had people quit the church because they didn't think a girl should be speaking to a congregation. CG was extremely intimidated. And when did Scripture ever go to CG and say, okay, oh, you're a girl. Okay, this doesn't apply to you. Just you do your thing. Scripture never consults what may be intimidating you. Scripture never turns to you and says, you're 44 years old. Oh, you're old. This isn't going to work. Good luck with the rest of your life, but this part of the Bible doesn't mean anything. When does Scripture ever turn to a young lady and say, ooh, you're too young. You're way too young to be a pastor. You're way too young. So, you know, when you get older, come see what it says, but right now, it doesn't work for you. When does Scripture ever consult what your limitations are? And backs up. Scripture will always consult the things that are intimidating you and show you how God's plan is bigger than any excuse you might have. This is huge. See, most people would say, if I could, I would if I could. I would if I could. Have you guys ever said that? I would if I could. I would if I could. Hey, I, I would do it if I could. I would if I could. I would if I could. Well, what if I turned to you and said, I would if I could, but I could if I would. I, I would if I could. I would if I could, but you know what? I could if I would. And you would start finding that in your life, you can start experiencing the could if you just would. You could if you would. It's huge to think about. Josh Brown was the one that introduced me to CrossFit. And my whole first month, I kept calling him because the, the workouts are scary. Stupid scary. I had a panic attack one night thinking about what we were going to do the next day. That is so embarrassing. I hate telling you guys that. I could not sleep all night. I had to quote scripture and I had to pray just to go to sleep to go the more. That's not really encouraging you guys much about CrossFit, is it? Yeah. I would call Josh and I'd go, do you know what we're doing next tomorrow? Do you know what, you know what tomorrow's workout is? Do you know what they're doing today? And Josh Brown finally said this. Quit asking me. Quit asking me. And I turned to him and I said, no, no, no. I want to know what they're doing. And he goes, I know what you want. You want to know what they're doing so that if it's bad, you're not going to go. And he finally, listen to this advice. He said, it's always going to be bad. It's always going to be bad. Which is something I didn't want to hear. But he's right. And then he said this. Ty, listen to me. It's, every day is going to be bad. It's going to be horrible. But I can do anything for 12 minutes. And most of the workouts are between 10 to 20 minutes. And it's full bore. I don't have time to explain it. But 
Josh turned and said, I can do anything for 12 minutes. If it's wall balls, I'll just keep going. I may have to call a breather. I may have to stop. But at some point, I'm going to go again. And finally, they're going to turn and go, hey, we've got to close the shop down. We're all going to go home. And that's when you quit. But he said, I can do anything for 12 minutes. And for some of us, it's the intimidation. But the reality is, when you stop and think about it, it's not as big as what you're making it to be. It's not bigger than what your God is. But you make a mountain out of a molehill when it's nothing more than just a hill under God's foot. Come on. I would if I could. I'm telling you, you could if you would. That's what happened to the church of Macedonia. This week was a cool week for our family. Pecos Fort came home to be a counselor at Camp Crossfire. Abby, you guys can come up. Pecos Fort, you guys. That little kid from Lovington, New Mexico. Cocky little arrogant <laughs> wild cat. Oh my gosh. And here's these counselors. We found out something about our boys. What we noticed was is that sometimes we get in such a hurry to get to where we need to be that when we get to where we need to be and we do what we're supposed to do, like camp, when camp is over, we wish we'd have stopped at some point in the beginning and prepared our hearts for what was about to happen because when it's over, we sometimes say things like, boy, I wish I'd have paid more attention. Boy, I wish I'd have taken advantage of that time better. And so we started doing something with our boys. Before we leave, after the bags are packed, after the thing you know, you know, the car gets started. After all the things, we stop and we sit in our living room and we talk about what's about to happen. This was not unusual when we stopped and talked about Camp Crossfire. Bags are loaded, we're ready to go. And we met in the living room of our house. We sat down and talked. I said, boys, you guys are fixing to go to Camp Crossfire. Hudson Bean, this is your very first Camp Crossfire. I said, we're going to pray as a family, ask God to open your heart, I want you to take advantage of this week. And we pulled out two cards, okay? Brady Bean got Stewie for his iron group leader for the, for, for the whole camp experience. I asked Brady after camp, what was your greatest experience at camp? And he says, I get to be with Stewie. I said, above Water Day? And he goes, Water Day's got nothing on Stewie. He loved getting to be with Stewie more than anything else. But Hudson, Hudson didn't know who Pecos was. And Hudson was a little nervous. And I started talking to Hudson. I said, Pecos Fort is this kid who's always had a place in our hearts. And now he's a counselor. But Hudson, Pecos has an amazing story. When Hudson, when, 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 when Pecos was a young man, he had a horrible four-wheeler accident. And his leg was literally destroyed. Y'all remember when Pecos went through that? And they cut his leg open. And, and I was very graphic with Hudson, and he was totally mortified. I talked about how they laid his leg open, they fixed the bones, but they, laid, they, they kept the leg open for days and days and days. And, and we were praying. The doctor told him, you're going to be lucky if you even keep the leg. You're going to be lucky if you even keep the leg. And we were as a church believing God for this leg to heal. I said, Hudson, God healed that leg. You're small group pastor for all the Camp Crossfire Hudson Bean is a walking, talking miracle. 
when, when you see Pecos, is what I told Hud, I want you to look right at his leg. And I said, sometimes we tell you don't do look at things, but with Pake, he doesn't care. You look at that leg, and I want you, when you see that scarring, to realize that mom and dad in this entire church were a part of the faith that we we're believing God for the healing in his leg. Pecos was here yesterday. I, I had him come. He came to the second service. And in front of everybody, I told Pecos, I remember when you, we were believing for your healing, for your leg, and your faith stayed strong. I remember when they sewed your leg up, and it was painful and it hurt, but your leg, your faith stayed strong. I remember the pins in your leg and the cast, just this horrible cast, but your faith stayed strong. I remember when they took the cast off and you started rehab, and it was painful, painful, but you went one leg lift at a time one leg lift at a time and his whole faith was to believe God for a perfect healing in his leg so he could go be the man God wants, wants him to be today Pecos is a college coach in Adams State University in Colorado um, in football and, and he's a walking talking miracle and after I got through telling Hudson that story and we walked out the door his attitude was set right because the leader he had that week had walked through what he was able to do and what he was able to do went beyond what the ability was that he had to do it. It was uncomfortable. It hurt. It was painful. But his capacity grew. God stretched him. And Pecos Sports a walking, talking miracle. I called Philip Berry yesterday and I said, Stewie blessed Brady big time. But go down the list of what it took for Stewie Kinney in Canada to get to being my son's iron group leader. Stewie Kinney had to receive a, a, a rodeo scholarship in Leveland to where we had to let go of Clay to go be with Stewie. And a friendship was built. And then Clay introduced Stewie to Philip Berry Boy, that's scary right there if you just want to think about it, okay? And, and there was a friendship connected. And from there, plugged into Cowboy Junction. And there, so many things took place to where Stewie felt comfortable from moving from Leveland to Hobbs. And then the connection he had with us took place to the point to where he said, I love Camp Crossfire. And all of these years of history and how did God do that and how did God do that and how did God do that and the uncomfortableness of just being where God wanted him to be led to the point to where my son's greatest camp experience was getting to be with Stewie and it changed his life. And how was I to know that this kid from Canada would speak to my child at camp. This has everything to do with your content and your container. We thank you for who you are. Open our hearts. Stretch our capacity. We may not be able to do what you put in our heart to do right now. But what we're able to do, we can do that. And you take what we're able to do and turn it into a whole new ability. You take what we have and turn it into what you have given us. And we sit back in awe. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, I think the Lord deserves a praise offering.
Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. It's time for us to love God, love people, and have no limits in our life. I want to tell you that I love you. I love you. Jesus loves you. And don't you ever forget it. God bless you guys. Have a great week in the Lord. See you later.